0: We are in a series called Scammed, and what we've been talking about is the idea that we have some narratives that are being told to us, and narratives we tell ourselves that are scams, they're not right, and in the next few weeks, I'll, I'll tell you some scams that um, I, I told you one, I think last week, but uh, that I've been involved with, but I knew, I knew they were scams. Uh, just a few weeks ago, I was called by the IRS to tell, tell me that my um, Social Security is, is being cut off because I didn't do something or whatever. And I knew it was a scam right away. And the reason I did is because they said, um, Internal Revenue Services... And there's only one service so it doesn't matter so anyway um, I'll tell you in the coming weeks what I did and it's very immature okay so we'll deal with that uh, next week this week what I want to do is I want to riff off of what we talked about last week was this idea that we need to be er we need to be thinner smarter stronger better whatever okay we just need to be er and that chasing after this er it never is and I was joking around but it's it's never er enough it's never there's no end and so what we talked about last week was the idea that we were not called to arrive we were called to abide that in our everyday walk with Jesus uh, we abide in Him. We don't arrive at a certain destination. This is part of the problem with the way our gospel has been contorted to be like, except Jesus, go to heaven. That's the arrival. No, except Jesus, and y- your eternity starts now with this relationship with Him that ends in relationship with Him. So, um, so I wanted to just uh, start off on this idea... Um, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to offend some people, uh, and I apologize. Nah. Um, but with the Declaration of Independence, be, because I love the Declaration of Independence, and I love America, and I love everything, okay? So just let's get that out of the way. But here's the problem with the beginning of the Declaration of Independence, because I think we've bought into this scam, Not America, okay? I love America, all right? We have some problems. We'll get through them. Let's go. So here we go. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men and women are created equal, and that they are endowed by their creator with certain uh, uh, unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, I think that's fantastic. But what is pursuit and what is happiness? This is, I'm going to take the ers from last week and I'm going to bring them right into one err and that is I need to be happier. And happier is difficult. And happier is undefined. And pursuit is undefined. So I know people who are pursuing, 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 and they never reach this because they die or something happens. Like, what is pursuit? How much do you pursue happiness? And again, don't email me. This has nothing to do with the Declaration of Independence. It's just this is a deep-seated scam in Western civilization, that we need to be happy. We don't need to be happy. That might sound sacrilegious, but it's certainly biblical. You don't need to be happy. You say, well, John, then what do I do? Do I make myself unhappy? No, that would be dumb. Do I, you know, how do I handle happiness? Well, we go to scripture. We always go to scripture. So we look at, If I lived my life, the best way I could possibly live my life, what would be the outcome? If I pursued happiness and I really, really made it, what would my life look like? So um, when I got out of college, so I went to college to study theology, and that didn't go very well at all for grade-wise. Uh, apparently I'm not smart enough to study the Bible. So uh, I realized very quickly that I shouldn't be in the theology department. They were all very intelligent. So I went into the business department. So my friend, Don, told me, look, if the pastor thing doesn't work out, you can always go into business with a business degree, but you, you can't go into business with a theology degree. And so I thought that was very wise counsel, so I went into business, and I loved it, and I loved business, and I loved all my classes, and then I thought I just shouldn't be a pastor, which is odd, because I ended up being a pastor. So I go into my first company, and um, start making some money, and it was right in the beginning of the tech boom, like, like right in the beginning, and, and so I decided to invest in some tech stocks, and so I took $2,000, which, oh man, is Lisa watching? If you're watching this online, honey, um, that, was a, that was not your money. That was some, it was given to me. Anyway, I took $2,000. I put it in the stock market in tech, and I turned it into $5,000. Now, I don't use the term genius very much, but hey-oh, okay, so... $5,000. I'm like stoked. 2000 to 5000 And I'm telling you, this is the honest truth. I started thinking to myself, you know, if I, if I quit my job and I just trade, <laughs> to see even to say it out loud is terrible. And if I just trade stocks, I figured out I could be a millionaire by the time I was 30. <laughs> so that was the plan. That was my plan. Pursuit of happiness. Because being a millionaire makes you happy. It does me anyway. So I, I go and then something happens and uh, it's like a tech bubble or something that breaks. Uh, and the big stock I had was called Global Crossing. And what they were going to do was lay cables under the ocean all over the world and then everyone would have the internet. And uh, so that started to slide down a, a little bit because, come to find out, there aren't that many submarines to lay cable. So my 5,000 becomes 3,500 in like a day. And so instead of just going, you know what, I'm not going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 30, I'm out, I made $1,500. I started with 2,000 there's 3,500. Like this is awesome. My thinking was the stock market owes me $1,500 because I had 5,000 and now I have 3,500 and I'll be darned if I don't get that money back. So I keep trading. The 3,500 becomes 2,000. The (laughs) 2,000 continues to slide down to about 500 and, uh, And because I'm a stock genius, I opened up a margin account. What a margin account does is it takes your $500 and places it as collateral so that you can trade more money than you actually have. A credit card, okay, for trading stocks. So I get my margin account and it starts to go down and I get what they call A margin call and a margin call says hey you borrowed money from us based on your $500 it's gone down $500 we want your $500 okay that's called a margin call what I want to talk to us about this morning is when our life because of the pursuit of happiness we get a margin call and that margin call can come in a lot of different forms it can come in the form of your spouse calling you, an actual call, and going, I'm out. Because my pursuit of something caused a margin call. It can come in the form of a heart attack, grinding, 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 grinding. We're going to get, once we get this much money, once we get this much stuff, once we get all this stuff, once our pursuit of happiness gets us to this great place, margin call. And then an So, here's what I'm defining as margin. The space between our current conditions and our breaking point. Because no matter what you're pursuing, whether it be happiness, whatever, romance, you have a breaking point you cannot pursue any longer. You have to give up. It it, it comes to a breaking point. And so what I want to do this morning is talk a little bit about what does a life look like when happiness is not your pursuit, okay? And then what are some things we can do to kind of measure ourselves back to like, I don't want to pursue happiness. And again, I'll just say it for the last time, this has nothing really to do with the Declaration of Independence, so don't send me America. America. Emails. The space between our current conditions and our breaking point. So, if I'm under another structure, if I'm under another um, authority, what does that look like? Does it look like, hap- does the end game look like happiness? Is that the end game? Happiness. Fortunately, The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a church in Galatia. And he says, this is the outcome of being under the authority of the kingdom of God. This is what you get. When you pursue the kingdom of God, you get this. It might not be happiness, but it's this. And and what Paul is doing is saying there's a scam out there. That you're supposed to do a bunch of things so you can be happy, and he's like, "This, we're not going to get scammed." Here's what happens when you're under the uh, authority of the kingdom of God. There's a result. The fruit of the spirit is love and joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such things, there is no law. Happiness isn't there. Happiness isn't in the fruit of the Spirit. In the kingdom of God, happiness is not a fruit, it's not an arrival, it's not a goal. Like the idea of, I just want to be happy, is a scam you're being scammed because here's the fact of the matter you can love and not be happy it's called children no I'm, that was a ter- that was a joke okay it's so ter- terrible not having an audience cuz you guys would have laughed you can have joy and not be happy right You can have peace in the midst of trials, it's all through the Bible, and not be happy. You can have patience and not be happy. Actually, I don't don't like that one. Let's take that one out. Patience, you actually, yeah, you don't need patience. That's that's terrible, because I'm terrible at it. I'm just joking around. Okay, you can have patience. You can have kindness and not be happy. You can have goodness and not be happy. You can have faithfulness and not be happy. Gentleness. If you've ever been anywhere unhappy in your life, you can have all these things. This is being under the authority of the kingdom of God. You can love people and not be happy of what's going on. It's totally possible. So here's my point for this morning as we get into the scriptures. The goal is not happiness. The goal is holiness. And oftentimes when we think of holiness, we think of like do's and don'ts. Like keep doing the right thing. The goal is not to be happy. It's to grind out being good. That's not holiness. Holiness is being set apart because we're created in the image of our Heavenly Father. And we become like Jesus. Jesus. Jesus wasn't always happy. Spoiler alert, okay? And so that's not our goal. Our goal is to be holy. And so the scam is you just need to be happy. Whereas the kingdom of God comes in and says, oh, your life is so much richer than that. Your life is so much better than that. You can be in situations that are terrible and experience love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. There's no log uh, above those things. So that's the goal. So I just wanted to read a couple of verses out of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, uh, which are Old Testament verses. Um, and so basically what happened was the, uh, Israel uh, had to go to Egypt in order to learn some lessons that God wanted them to learn. And so they were there for a very long time and things were getting really bad and uh and so they were they were um they had to make bricks and they made bricks and then the pharaoh said you're gonna have to make bricks with um less straw because the straw was strengthening the bricks now i don't know why he did that because it's terribly inefficient but he wanted to make a point because they were complaining and so he said ah let them have less bricks right so that's what he does So they come back out of Egypt, and God spends a lot of time in the Bible going, do you remember when you were in that spot? Do you remember when you were in Egypt? Do you remember when you went through that? And that's where we find it in Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9. I'm telling you, this verse, if you can just... Use your creativity and apply it to your own life. It's a game changer. When you reap the harvest of your land. So again, for us, we're not farmers. So if we say, as you steward your, the resources of your life, you get a certain paycheck, you have so much time, you have a certain family, As you reap, as you um, steward the resources of your life, do not reap to the very edges. Do not reap to the very edges. Don't take it to the max. Don't work your time where you're just working, 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 all the way to the edges of your field, or gather the gleanings of your harvest, so what would happen is you would harvest, and then there'd be these things left over, and you'd be tempted to go, man, I could make five percent more on that harvest I could make I could make. You know, like if I look out and I see, oh man, there's some more gleanings I can go get. I can always get more. In other words, in order to be happy, in my pursuit of happiness, I can, I can squeeze out every little ounce of everything I'm doing. Do not do that. Don't reap to the very edges. Don't kill yourself pursuing Happiness. He goes on. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen so they would go through and they'd harvest. And what God says is, look, I am the Lord of the harvest. So you got your harvest. Good, bad, whatever. Don't spend all your time going back to figure out how you can get more. That pursuit is not good for you, and further, what he says, and this is very timely, leave them for the poor and the foreigner. In other words, your pursuit of success, your pursuit of happiness, your pursuit of getting everything you can possibly get affects the marginalized. And God says, don't do it. Don't do it. Leave something for those who don't have. Leave something for the poor. Now, in today's world, that looks different than just leaving grapes out on your front porch. Okay, It means maybe you don't buy this thing that would make you happy in order to support a child from an organization like Empowering Lives International. Like maybe I give up $35 a month in happiness in order to help an actual human. Like maybe that's what God is saying. Maybe that's what you were designed for. Maybe you weren't designed for a pursuit of happiness. Maybe you were designed for a pursuit of holiness. Of being like Jesus, who didn't grab everything that they needed. He gave. Like his idea of holiness was in order to help the poor and the foreigner. And then he says, This, this is so great. And you're like, Well, why? Why would I even want to do that? And I love this next line because it does two things one it says stop talking which is always a great line by god and the other thing it says stop worrying those are two good things especially for where we are right now he says i'm the lord your god so i'm going to go back leave them for the poor and the foreigner i'm the lord your god like well gay yeah, but if i stop stop don't talk <laughs> i'm the lord your god but the other thing it says is i got you you don't have to pursue anything but holiness and you'll be fine this says in hebrew i got you that's what it says in hebrew i'm a scholar trust me i might have failed all my undergrad stuff but i did quite well in seminary okay So then he goes on in Deuteronomy. So Leviticus and Deuteronomy are all these laws of like, um, here's how you act so that we can have a good relationship. So he says this, when you're harvesting your field and you overlook a sheaf, which is just something that had fallen down, don't go back and get it. Don't go back and get it. Leave it. Listen to this. This is so sweet. This is the, Our Heavenly Father's heart. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. And then he makes this incredible statement I got you. So the Lord your God may bless you. You do not need to pursue happiness. I need to be happy is a scam. And it'll waste your time, it'll waste your resources, it'll waste your relationships. If you think your kids are going to bring you happiness, your spouse is going to bring you happiness, your job is going to bring you happiness, it's a scam. The Lord, your God, may bless you in all the works of your hands, in all the work of your hands. He's got you. So we'll split it up. When you're harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, don't go back and get it. So that the Lord may bless you in all the works of your hands. There's an if and a then. There's a... There's a so, so think about how this would work in our lives. Imagine if I need to work overtime or... Uh, I need to be in a Zoom call or whatever. And I got my kids there. And they're the least of these because they need me there. And I go, you know what? I'm cutting this short. And we'll get into some practical things we can do. And we just go, you know what? I'm going to be there for my kids. The Lord's got me. He's got me. Then he goes back. Remember, you were slaves in Egypt. That is why I command you to do this. Remember, you already worked that hard when Pharaoh was taking over. And you hated it. Why would you do it to yourself now? Don't work to the edge. Leave it. I got you. Leave some time. Leave some resources. Leave some of your emotional capacity of just going, man, I just gotta set some time aside. Jesus says it this way, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, which I find fascinating because eating and drinking are kind of essential, (laughs) but he just says, yeah, whatever. About your body, what you'll wear, that's kind of important too, but he just says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? What are you actually pursuing? he goes on and I love this verse I preach on it like four times a year look at the birds of the air they don't sow or reap or store away in barns and it's your heavenly father feeds them aren't you more valuable than that aren't you more valuable than just working and working and working and trying to get as much as we can can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life the answer is no and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin, And yet, I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor, we talked about Solomon last week, was dressed in, as one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And when you look through the New Testament of how the New Testament talks about clothes, it's like clothed in humility, clothed in righteousness. It has nothing to do with shirts. So don't worry. Saying, what what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? How are we going to make it through coronavirus? What are we going to do? We're responsible, but we don't glean up to the edge where we're just done. In America, we not only glean up to the edge, we get credit cards so we can glean past the edge, past what we have. He says, for the Pagans seek and pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows you need them. It's not like you don't need clothes. He knows you need clothes. And he just has this amazing statement. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be holy and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. <laughs> and then typical Jesus, so practical. Each day have a, has enough trouble of its own. Of course it does. He knows that. He's not just saying, just sit in the lotus position and just have peace come on you. He knows that there's trouble. That makes sense. The goal is not happiness. The goal is Holiness. So I just wrote down a few things that we can do practically to, uh, as we enter into this week. Um, things we can do to just kind of create a space. So maybe get up 10 minutes earlier so you're not going right up to the edge. I'm going to sleep right up to the thing. I'm going to wake up, go to work. Get, like, right? Maybe you wake up 10 minutes earlier and create a space for silence for you to begin your day. You leave a little Part of your land, your land of time, and you just leave it and you don't touch it. You don't use every minute of your day. Just 10 minutes. Cut out, oh man, this is terrible. Cut out unnecessary entertainment activities. (laughs) I'll let you decide what's unnecessary. Uh, I have my own list. You probably have yours. Explore scaling back some of your commitments by asking, is it essential for holiness? Is it essential for my well-being? Like, do I really have to do that? Like, do I have to use all my time, all my money, all my talents, everything to get some type of happiness? Is it essential? When I go on Amazon, is it essential? Do I really have to have that thing? If you do something often, for example, spending time with a friend, consider reducing the frequency without cutting that person out of your life. So I'll give you an example. Um, When something goes wrong in my life, I often, uh, I have a few friends that I just call immediately. They're wonderful friends and they often have great advice. But what if I went to Jesus first? Before I go to anybody for advice or anything, what if I went to Jesus? Here's a few few other. Trading spaces. uh, Talk radio or a podcast or um, the news for silence. To just back off the edge. Don't have to glean that time. You just kind of sit and be with God. Fight ruthlessly for your life-giving time. What is the thing that gives you, that's life-giving to you? Like talking to my kids, that is life-giving to me. So if I'm in a meeting and one of my kids calls, I, I pick up the phone because I love my kids. And that's life-giving. And, um, and so maybe for you it's something else. Maybe there's something that's truly life-giving for you. But you have to fight ruthlessly for this because... The the scam is that we need to be happy, and happy is instantaneous, and so we just keep going. It's not rich. Leave work early. I need to... Okay, that's a dumb one. I I hate writing stuff down that I don't do. okay take a sabbath but okay now i got two in a row no take a sabbath but 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 uh, honestly honestly i joke around but uh, you know we do need to do these things to not just go right up to the edge unplug at a certain time pick a time nine thirty. every electronic device in my house is off potentially okay this is a terrible sermon Arrive ten minutes early to everything. This might sound like something dumb, but in order to arrive ten minutes early, you have to restructure your life to not just be right at the edge. Everything you do. What time's the meeting? Five thirty. Okay, I'm there at five thirty. Like to be able to give pause to get er, be there early and to be able to ha- have time to think. This is a good one. I love this one. This will anger everybody. Rethink your social media. Honestly. Just rethink your social media. I don't even have to say anything about that. Uh, oh, wait, maybe I do. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, what's that all about? Rethink your social media. Rethink your media. What are you watching? Like what if you have a land full of time and you don't want to glean all the way up to it, what what are you harvesting in right before that? Just rethink your media. Rethink the voices you run to. <laughs> Do you have voices? Podcasts? Nah. Maybe people you follow on social media, people that you um, just, voices you run to, maybe you rethink that. Are they life giving? Are they even factual? Take a risk and listen to the thoughtful opposition, (laughs) whatever your opposition is. But take a risk. And find smart people who think on the other side and go, do I have to fight my whole life on a certain position to get to the very end? Like, do I have to do that? It's exhausting. Here's my last one. Be quiet. Don't talk. Don't post. Don't respond. I have found in my own life, when I'm when I lean towards these, it's to be happy. I want to be right. I want to get the right thing. I want to correct someone. I want to, I know the right answer. And I want the, the, the dopamine hit of being correct. God doesn't call us to be happy. He calls us to be holy. As the worship band comes back up, um, You know, this is just, it's hard because our culture, there's people who make millions and millions and millions of dollars with advertisements and all these different things about you got to be happy. If you don't have this, then you can't be happy. And God doesn't call us to that, he calls us to be holy, he calls us to be like Jesus, and when we're like Jesus, we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, which is way better than happiness. So we're going to end with a song of reflection, and um, I'm going to pray for us. Lord God, we are... um, I just pray that uh, as we reflect on our own lives, Lord, in the places where we're just gleaning to the very edge of our time and of our uh, finances and of our emotions, God, I pray you would just... Teach us to back off a little bit so that we would have enough left over for the poor, for the foreigner, for the fatherless, for the widow, those around us who are marginalized. That we wouldn't spend all of our emotions on a topic and then we have no more emotions for somebody real that we can be present with. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you that you are the perfect model of this. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you want to, uh, in your home or wherever you are, stand for the blessing. We do this every week, whether we're here physically or whether we're here digitally. And uh, it's just a way of just receiving the word of God and receiving the blessing of God as we move forward into this week. So now in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go in His peace, and in His strength, and in His comfort, and in His humility, as you live your life. In Jesus' name, amen.